No lightning hockey this week doesn't mean there's no lightning talk. Oh, thank God. We're combining the wit and wisdom of Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson into Power Lunch. Oh, I get it. Greg and Eric break down this incredible start to the season, take a look at the Syracuse crunch, and what it will take for the Lightning to bring home the Stanley Cup. The Lightning has won the Stanley Cup! Power Lunch with Greg Linelli and Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. So exciting to be here for you guys. Even though the lightning are off, E, we're not. And we've done this. This will be our second year coming yes. together to do some special programming for our lightning listeners who, let's face it, continue to grow each year, which is very exciting. It, it's very exciting. I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of this and uh, to be able to do something like this with you uh, once a year at least. Uh, we can have these combined shows. But uh, a lot of fun. I, I know people are going to be – jonesing for some hockey yes. this week so we thought hey we did it last year let's let's as you say give the people what they want they do let's talk a little hockey here even though the lightning are off this whole week no doubt about it of course eric arlinson greg Linelli, connor Zelinsky, our producer so we appreciate him as well and we've got a pretty good collection of guests on this uh show today and really for the rest of the week we've got brian engblom of course, from Sun Sports. Stacy Roost, who is a regular on your show, he's just going to yep. hop on with us, and yep. he's going to unfortunately hear me ask a couple of questions, so <laughs> hopefully it's not too bad for him. <laughs> but that's always a lot of fun yep. with Stacy. Your, your conversations uh, on Monday are great. And then uh, you're going to be hearing from Tyler Mataratz. A little national, XM. right? A little yep. national perspective. Who else we have on the show? Uh, we, have we also have uh, Al Murray, yes. director of amateur scouting. And if you've never heard Al, you can understand why he's so good at his job because he is just full of energy, uh, full of insight as yes. well. And uh, Al is always great to talk to. So we'll catch up with Al on just kind of give the ins and outs of what the amateur scouting staff goes through yep. from year to year and, and what they do. And then we'll also talk to Jamie Pusher, who is the director of pro scouting and director of player personnel to give the perspective on the pro scouting side of things. So you get the amateur scouting, you get the pro scouting, and uh, we'll do that, and we'll get some really good insight on the some of the inner workings of the Lightning organization and how all that comes together. And Darchi, right? Matthew Darch. Matthew Darch, yep. Uh, director of Hockey Operations. He's in his first year. Uh, always a good... Always good to talk to the cap guy as we For talk sure. to uh, as we get look towards next month's trade deadline. Uh, Matthew gives some really good insight into how the salary cap works and sort of the business side of things and how he got involved. I mean, Matthew, former player here in uh, the early days um, when John Tortorella was still here. Yeah, uh, him and Jeff Halpern were actually line mates, and now Jeff Halpern, of course, behind the bench with John Cooper and the staff and. You know, so Matthew really gives some good insights into how the salary cap works, the business side of it, and how he got involved in it. He, how he went from player to business to hockey business, and uh, some good stuff from Matthew Darge as well. So jam packed show today. We're going to talk to Brian and Stacy, and uh, Brian will be joining us in the next segment, and uh, a lot to discuss with them. But let's give some general thoughts before we get into some of these interviews. Basically, where the Lightning are right now it was a bit of a bumpy ride early on but this last trip 13 days in, in 13 games in 21 days they go 11 and 2 and they get that 10 game win streak but i know you've touched on this and so have i this team the way they're playing it does feel different than last year and in some ways it makes you feel a little bit better about their chances moving forward once the playoffs begin what do you make of their game right now and where they are well 
the early part of the season, of course, there were some concerns and some inconsistencies, a lot of inconsistencies yeah. really going into the end of November for the most part. You had the trip to Sweden involved in it. So there was a lot going on trying to – I know John Cooper's used the word burden that they carried with them into the season after the way last year ended for this team. And, you know, we were all asking the questions of the players and the staff in training camp about what happened last year. And there's no really no way to get past that. So all of that was kind of hovering around the team for the first six to eight weeks. But while all that was going on, there was also the process. And yeah. I know we've you both of us have used that word a lot to describe that early part of the season, the process of learning how to play with a different mentality, not different style, but a different mentality. And it just, it was taking time. You can kind of see things slowly get there and, and structure and understanding and situational play and all that stuff. And, you know, certainly I think that's one of the big things that I take away from about the middle of December to the bye week break that ended with Friday's game at Winnipeg is the, how much better they are in, giving up shots they're one of the better teams in, in terms of fewer shots allowed um, in terms of the high danger chances they've really cut down on that and then turnovers and you know that's the mentality that they want to have as they hopefully look towards the second week of April and the start of the playoffs and I think one of the interesting storylines so far this year has been the play of some individual players and specifically Alex Kalorn I think Mikhail Sergachev certainly Sorelli Shattenkirk to a lesser extent because of what we saw last year. It wasn't pretty, but he is healthy and he's playing well. But I'm wondering Kalorn specifically. Do you think he's been the biggest surprise or mo maybe the most pleasant surprise? And do you feel like the more structure this team has had this year has been more beneficial to Kalorn's game maybe than anybody else? Well, I think with Kalorn, I, I think there's no doubt he's been a pleasant surprise. Um, during that uh, that stretch, that 13-game stretch that you just referenced, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that he actually led the team in goals during that, that is surprising. Him, him and Nikita Kucherov yeah. both had nine goals in those 13 games. Uh, but I think I think the structure certainly helps him. But I think also the role he's been tasked with now. You know, it was, he was kind of in between there for a while. Like, are, is he a top six guy? Is he more of a third line guy? Is he a checker? Is he a scorer? I think they've just kind of defined him a little bit more and, and given him actually more responsibility. I think yeah. that's helped open up his game. You know, he's wearing an A on his, his sweater quite a bit this year. Sure. I know they like to rotate the four guys with the A's, but he is one of the guys that does it. He's a top penalty killer. He's getting power play time. He's been out there with a the number one power play unit as a net front presence and a guy that retrieves the puck behind the net. Mm -hmm. So I think all the additional responsibilities he's been given have kind of opened up his game a little bit and maybe given him a little bit more freedom. And it gets him into the flow, too. I haven't, I don't, yeah. I haven't looked at his average ice time, but I bet it's up this year. Uh, because of the you know increased role, the increased role and, yeah. and the and the additional sh shorthanded time, as well. So I I think that has just really kind of helped Alex Colon blossom into the player. I think a lot of us thought he could be the last number of years, and here we are at the All Star break. He's already set a career high in goals. Finally, finally hitting that twenty goal mark. Yeah, at age thirty. Yep. Which is really interesting. The other thing too is I think for Lightning fans, and it's a big part of their team, is they're getting now. I think. Vasilevsky, maybe not of last year, but close to it. I mean, he is, what, one ten in a row. He's been fantastic here recently. Yep. He's piling up the wins, and let's face it, if this team wants to win a cup, Vasilevsky has to be really good, if not great, for them to do it. And if it seems like he's starting to really find his game here of recent. He is, and, and again, going looking at that 13-game stretch, he started nine of those 13 games, 9-0, uh, obviously. Yeah. 1.76 goals against average and a 9.43 save percentage. And it's that last number 
You know, we talked about the Chief yeah. Taylor. It's, he always talks about that number for goaltenders and the save percentage because it was hovering around 904, 903 for a good portion of the season, not numbers we're used to seeing for him. So that's the biggest turnaround. No coincidence in some ways that the goaltenders improve play is to help turn the team's improved play around as well. Um, but that 943 save percentage, I think, gives a, is the big indicator that Andre Vasilevsky is adjusting to the way the team is playing in front of him, a little bit different than it has been before. The shot volume is not where he would like it, but it's closer to what the coaches would like, so you have to kind of find that happy medium between what the goalie likes and what the coaching staff wants. Uh, so he's adjusting to that too, and I think that's giving you a really good indication that he has his game in the place where he wants it. Curtis Mackley, before we get to Brian Engblom, I feel like has gotten some criticism on Twitter from fans. I get it. He's the backup, and the numbers aren't as good as Louis Domingue's, and I know it's different year, different circumstances. How well do you think he has played, and do you think at all there is any type of concern with the coaching staff running McElhaney out there uh, with on the same schedule that they had mapped out for him? with the remaining games? I, I don't think there's any concern. Uh, I know the numbers don't look as good as we want to see them. Uh, I think he gets criticism because he's not Louis Domingue, and I think a lot of fans really appreciated Louis Domingue because he stepped in when Andre Vasilevsky was injured last year. He played really, really well. I think they like his character. You know, we all remember sure. the uh, photo bombs or the video bombs of yeah. Will coming off likeable of guy. the ice. He's a very likable guy. Um, you know, so I, I think there's a lot of people who are looking at it from that perspective. But Curtis McElhaney, um, with the numbers that he has, they're not what we want. But I can tell you that his, his, his play, his play has been fine. You know, he was victimized in his last start in Minnesota um, on Thursday where the just defensive lapses, you know, mental lapses, including one of his own. He misfired on a pass yeah. to Eric Chernak that led to what eventually stood as the um, game-winning goal. Uh, so, I don't, But I don't think there's any concern. I think they're happy with, with the starts that McElhaney has given. I think Curtis will probably tell you he wished he could be better. Um, he does have a sub-500 record. But, uh, again, you think of some games, you know, you think of his first win he got against New Jersey. Okay, he lets in five. But if not for him, they probably lose that game 10-5. to five. Mm -hmm. You know, they end up winning that game in overtime. But he played fantastic and made some huge stops. So that's where sometimes you kind of have to – go a little bit deeper than just the numbers. and uh, I still believe that Curtis McElhaney is an upgrade over Louis Domingue uh, in terms of the role that he has to play because Louis Domingue wants to be a number one. Curtis McElhaney understands what it takes to be a number two. Eric Erlinson there. I'm Greg Linnelli. Up next, we will talk to Sun Sports analyst Brian Engblom. Get his thoughts on the Lightning season to date and what worries him, if anything, for the second half of the season leading into the playoffs. We'll talk to Brian coming up in our next segment. Also, Stacey Roos coming up in segment three. It is the Power Lunch. I'm Greg Lanelli. He's Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. Rowan and Martin, Abbott and Costello, Lanelli and Erlinson. One of these things is not like the other. This is Power Lunch. You're absolutely correct. On Lightning Power Play. Well, I tell you what, some of those, those rejoins, <laughs> they, they make me chuckle here as we... Uh, Got the power lunch for you here on uh, Lightning Power Play. Greg Lanelli along with Eric Rollins. And a lot of lightning talk uh, today and really scheduled for this week as Tampa Bay, of course, has uh, some time off before they resume play on the 27th. And here to talk about the lightning in the league a little bit more. Our good friend does a great job on Sun Sports and joins me during the last call for home games. That would be 
uh, Brian Engblom here on the show. And Brian, good to be with you. Uh, an opportunity for the team to get away with this bye week. I've got to think as a uh, as a former player to have this time off. Um, that's got to be something that's so beneficial moving forward. Yeah, I I think it's terrific for the guys, uh, especially the schedule that they've had to go through over the last 21 days. Um, it's really good timing, um, works out well. I think that's it's also part of the reason that they have stretches in the schedule like that because they do get nine days off, so careful what you wish for sometimes. <laughs> but I think in the long run, it's great. The uh, players know how to stay in shape, um, and that obviously is extremely important. Nine days is an eternity uh, for a player to be off. So they'll be doing stuff on their own for sure. It'll take a day or two off, I would think. Then they're certainly going to the gym. Uh, some will try and find some ice somewhere other than in a drink. And uh, <laughs> they'll come back uh, in, and have to come back in, in good shape. Having said that, you haven't practiced in a while. Um, and some teams go into the break you know, really hot and come out poorly. And some go in poorly and come out really hot. Uh, so that's the interesting part of it, too, that um, it, it can cause some shifts in, in the standings immediately after for the first week, 10 days, even two weeks. And then things tend to settle out again. So I, I think it's just really interesting all the way around, but I'm sure they're enjoying themselves. Brian, is there a way to quantify exactly what it's like to play 13 games in 21 days in, I think, eight different cities across the border uh, four times on two separate trips? Just to kind of, I mean, you were traveling with the team. I know you weren't playing, but you have played it. Is there a way to kind of quantify just how grueling of a stretch that really is? Yeah, that's that's a tough one. Uh, for 20, sometimes for, you know, for two weeks, It'll, it'll get bad. It'll be intense, and then it tends to sort of even out. 21 days is a pretty long stretch. Um, <laughs> players will tell you a lot of times, though, that uh, the, the games are for the players. Practices are for the coaches. <laughs> and sometimes they don't like those practices. you know. But uh, I think that uh, John Cooper and the staff do a really good job of giving them time off, and that's, that's a necessity. Having said that, I think the whole month of January, what if they're going to have three or four practices to the entire month? Yeah, that's that's crazy. And, you know, and one it, of those are just going to get their legs hurt. back. It hurts, you know. Things things start to creep in, and and uh, so that you know that's an issue that they have to deal with as they move forward here. Brian Engblom joins us here on Lightning Power Play. It's our Power Lunch special. You know, Brian, we hear, uh, you know, from the players the mindset. Um, coming into the season needed to change, needed to be a bit more responsible defensively. Was it not only the mindset, but was there anything they did structurally that has changed from this year to last? We get a lot of questions from fans that are curious to know, are they doing anything differently this year? Because it does look like they are playing a, a different way in some ways, and as we've seen during this last stretch, a very productive one. Well, it starts with yeah everybody being really conscious away from the puck. Uh, that's that's not so much a structural thing as it's um, you know being being attentive. It's it's focus way too many times, and they're not the only team. I've said this many times to you guys that you you watch highlights around the league and any given night and how often players just aren't you know they're back checking or whatever they're in their own zone. 
just not looking around at all. And as good as all the shooters are now, you make a pass and somebody is, you know, three feet from you. And by the time you turn and try to react, the puck's already going past you because that guy's already one-timed it and it's in the back of the net. I mean, you have to, you have to be on somebody, you know, defensively, or you're not much good. Um, what I have noticed is around the net, <clears throat> they are more physical. That's certainly the defense. Um, I think that was one of the issues that they had in the playoffs the last two years, actually, not just last year, at the net, trying to fish around a little bit too much around the net. So I think they've, I, they've played harder man-on-man. They boxed out way, way better. Uh, so I think that is certainly, a, you know, if you want to call that a structural thing, or, um, it's a necessity for me. That part of the game for me will never, ever change. I don't care what era you're talking about. Um, you can argue about, you know, the overload and, and pretty much everybody does that. You come in and you try to outnumber at the puck. Um, it's what you do when you can't get there in time that makes all the difference. In other words, if, if the puck goes into Victor Hedman's corner in his own zone and he's got two guys that are really close, two opponents really close, then you're going to try and get three guys, three lightning players to there too, as quickly as you can. Um, that's the way a lot of teams think about it. So, you know, that's what I mean by overload and try to outnumber at the puck. But the problem is when you can't and that guy on the, on the opponent gets the puck, Victor Hedman's chasing him. Uh, maybe Tyler Johnson comes in and uh, let's say, you know, Steven Stamkos, whatever. Now you're chasing, you're on the way in. The puck is already going against the grain and it's going to somebody else. Now you're reacting to another area on the ice. It's a pretty fine line uh, a lot of times. If you're late, you're in big trouble because you're just going to be ping-ponging back and forth. You don't have anybody. And there are huge gaps and there are huge seams. So the players away from the puck, especially to say the last ones into the zone, are coming back into a certain area. Centers come back and help support in the middle. Wingers tend to, you know, play more to the outside. But then you have to look around and see who your next closest guy is and, and be aware defensively. So, I mean, for me, perhaps an oversimplification, um, they have a lot of technical jargon that, you know, they can throw at you at any given time. Uh, but that's basically the way I, I see the game. And um, I think that when you have better judgment about who has the puck, who's winning the battles, and, of course, winning more 50-50 pucks and winning more battles along the wall in particular, those are difference makers in the game, and they certainly have done a way better job at that, not playing at the end of their sticks as often. Um, I think let's, let's use the example of Mikhail Sergachev for a minute. We've talked about that several times, and John Cooper explained it that way, that uh, Sergei is playing way better because he doesn't play at the end of his stick the way he did the last two years. He's hitting a lot of people, and he's separating people from the puck. And because of that, he has great skills. Then he separates them. He gets help from the next guy who comes in. Um, and, or he can get the puck himself and move it to, to somebody on his team very quickly. Those are all parts of you know, the structure, but it still comes down to basic you know, winning battles all over the ice. Brent, how much of the team's increased uh, defensive awareness is now starting to become into the habit mode, the instinctual mode, to where 
they don't have to think about it anymore. They can just go out and understand where they're supposed to be at the right time and, you know, all that stuff you just talked about in terms of being on top of guys and, and, and being there before you know you have to be there. Well, I think it is there. Um, I think it, they, they've they ingrained it now. I think when you go on as good a solid run as they have, and not just, you know, the last 10 or 12 games that show up on the, on the score sheet and, and their record, I think it's – I think it's been pretty darn solid, more games than not, more periods than not, more shifts than not, Um, you know, for the last, I don't know, go back to even the early part of December. I think you started to see it become, okay, now it's, now we're seeing it more often. And and, uh, it's a process that um, everybody understands, you know, where they're supposed to be, but understands you know, the things we were just talking about a moment ago, how important they are so that everybody's committed to it. Because if you have two or three guys that aren't and try to cheat it from time to time, um, then, you know, that's where, you know, they have some drop-off and that's where you're going to give up some scoring chances. It's never going to be perfect. I mean, the other team out there, there's some really skilled guys around the league. So your margin for error can be, you know, pretty slim on a lot of nights. But that's your that's what your goalie's for too, right? And the goaltenders have uh, been pretty darn good um, over the last couple of months. Brian Engblom from Sun Sports joins us here on the Power Lunch with Greg Linelli and uh, Eric Rollinson. Brian, which player in your estimation so far through you know 47, 48 games has taken the biggest jumps in their progression as a player from last year to this? Because I think there's probably a couple of guys that have jumped out, and, and you could say, wow, that I'm not sure I expected it. Uh, this quickly. Um, let's see, there are a couple ways to answer that. Uh, Sergachev, because of what we just said, I think he's taken another you know step forward in his development because he's doing it on a regular basis. It's one thing to say, well, you know, he's had a couple of really good games. I, no, I, I think he's really shown that he's he's a different player. Like he he understands that he has to play physically, that it enhances his game and it enhances his confidence level. And when you're a confident player, you do everything better. You read the play better if you're a defenseman. You you play more physically if you're a defenseman. You make better passes, get back to the puck quicker, all that kind of stuff. And and that's what you're seeing. So he's getting more ice time too because of it, because they trust him. And if you don't do things well inside your own blue line, you don't get much of a chance to start showing them other stuff at the other end of the ice. It just doesn't work that way in the NHL. They have to be able to trust you in key situations. And he's also playing more often against top lines now and not being sort of protected, um, you know, being called off the ice when the, big, when the Crosbys and the Malkins come out as compared to third or fourth line guys. Um, so I would say it starts with Sergachev. I think Jan Ruda is a very underrated player. I think he's really fit in nicely. Um, he has good chemistry with, with Victor Hedman, which means he has an understanding of what the game looks like because Victor, you know, we've mentioned that he doesn't play an orthodox way. He doesn't play, you know, straight up and down on his side of the ice. He, he's at his best, and you don't ever want him to change because he's so dynamic. He roams all over the place, and he does unorthodox things, which means that um, it, it, what he does or what he leaves can be taken advantage of. So you, your job partly is to let him do what he does because he blows up so many plays the opposition want to make. But when it's not going exactly right, you have to understand it. I can't just stay over here on my side. 
I have to I have to look at this and say, uh-oh, that's not good. There's a guy coming right through where he was, maybe on his side. There's some crisscrossing. There's an understanding. I think Jan Ruda is faster than people think. Um, it, and because it can look a little messy sometimes, but he really gets the job done. And when they play well as a team, the Lightning really jam with all their defense in the neutral zone, which means you have to have support by your forwards. And sometimes it's sort of there, but it's sort of not. And I'm not blaming the forwards. And sometimes the defense should be backing up, you know, and, and they're not. But it's such a fast-paced game. Again, small margin for error. Well, Jan, I think, has shown that, oh, this looks messy. This is not, oh, that's really good. Like, he really <laughs> finds a way to get the job done. And isn't that the bottom line? You have to defend on the bottom line and get that job done. I think Shattenkirk has found his his niche. I think playing with Sergachev is terrific. Uh, they have some good chemistry again. And chemistry, for me, I'm biased, of course, is even more important than it is trying to put, you know, lines together of the forwards. Because if you don't have chemistry for uh, and understand what your partner needs to do, what he likes to do, how good he is, what he's not good at, if you if you don't have that chemistry, then you're giving up a ton of scoring chances, a lot. And that means you're going to have a lot more losses than you you can really afford to have. So I would I would say that Jan Root is really good, and then of course offensively Kalorn with the way he scored goals, um, you know I think we're finally seeing a guy that we sort of expected the last three years or so anyway. Like he's going to get 20, he's going to get 20, mm-hmm. but he's he's fully engaged, he's playing extremely well, and I still I look at the fact that because he's really the only forward that has a ton of power play and penalty killing time. Um, that he's really involved in every aspect of the game, and I think that makes him better. Those would be the guys that would jump out to me. Right, what, do, what do we make of Mitchell Stevens to this point? He's been up now for about a month. Uh, he's really proficient on face-offs. Not a lot of rookies can come in and have the success on the dot that, that he has had. And, you know, as we look towards uh, hopefully April and, and, you know, what kind of a role, I mean, are we, are we convinced enough or feel good enough about Mitchell Stevens and in, in terms of being a part of this team moving forward? Yeah, I think he has created a niche for himself, and I'm glad you brought the face-offs up because that should not be overlooked. You, you have to be able to, if you're going to get any amount of ice time, uh, the coach has got to you know, think that you can win some face-offs, and he's, he's had some, some very good nights. <clears throat> so uh, he is very trustworthy there. And they keep putting him in more and more situations to see what he can handle. And you can afford to do that when you're winning some games, for sure. And then also, even if, you know, a lot of these games have been tight, right? They haven't been all seven to one, you know, like it was the other night. So he's been out there in key situations and defending, uh, you know, one goal leads and all that kind of stuff, because that's when you really find out if a guy can do it. Um, so he's learned a lot about himself, about what he can do, about how to defend and, that's really the most important thing. I don't care who you are. If you're Victor Hedman in his rookie year or Steven Stamkos, or if it's Mitchell Stevens, a big part of when you first start playing, whether it's a, you know, out of training camp and you play with a team right away, or you get called up like Stevens did, and you've got a couple of years of American League experience, you still don't know what it's like to grind in and, uh, night in and night out 
and be playing against the Ovechkins and, and, you know, Crosby's and McDavid's and whatever else. And, yes, you're not going to get a lot of ice time against them, but everybody's changing every 35, 40 Mm. seconds. So, yes, you are out there. And until you know as your own person, until Mitchell Stevens goes, okay, that guy's way too big for me. I got to do something else in order to be able to stop him. Or, geez, that guy's way better defending, and that guy hits hard, and that goaltender is, you know, better than anything I've ever seen in my life. You can't teach that. That's part of the process. So he's learned very quickly. Um, I think he's got certainly got the smarts to play at the NHL level, and that's where it starts. His understanding of the game. He's got the effort. He skates well. He's on the puck. Uh, I think the next thing would be. Um, you know, and this takes time, is how much can he play, especially against certain types of opposition. He doesn't have a lot of weight in his game, but he forechecks hard, and, and he, he's pretty hard on the puck. He's going to get overwhelmed by some guys at times just because he's smaller than some of them are. Uh, but, you know, same thing with Braden Point. You know, Braden doesn't win because he's got uh, incredible size and strength mm-hmm. over somebody, but he's already been through the process that we're talking about with Mitchell Stevens. So I think that he's going to be here. He's staying here. He's sure he can. Uh, we'll see how much he's used uh, when the playoffs come around, um, you know, against whoever that opposition might be. Brian Engblom joins us here on the Power Lunch with Greg Linnelli and Eric Rollinson. Uh, Brian, uh, with the remaining games on the schedule, is there anything that would um, concern you for this Lightning team or you're going to be watching for to see if uh, you know certain individuals can keep up their, their pace? Uh, I, I don't know, you know, as far as the schedule itself. Um, I think it's the way the team has played, as we talked about a moment ago, the, the structure, and I think everybody does get it now, and I think everybody does understand. Um, you know, what they have to do and how much effort it takes. And the tremendous thing about this winning streak has been that the coaching staff can go, this is terrific. This is what we've been hammering on, and we're getting success. And they're winning one-goal games, and they're defending. You know, halfway through the game, they're up by one goal, and they don't give anything. That's the telltale sign. And even in games where they've, you know, been ahead by uh, several goals, still doing a pretty darn good job have not given up much. Whereas before, I think I think Coop brought this up a couple of games ago too. He said, you know, last year we'd be in a game where it'd be like four to you know four to two, and we want to make it six two or seven two. You know that that's the mentality and that's the habits that he was talking about trying to break. Now it's like four to two. Everybody goes, this is it. We've got enough. Play the right way. This is you got to play, which means you got to play hard. You got to play hard, and you got to you got to check, and you got to be responsible, and you got to grind it out right to the end because the other team is coming. You know they're they're pulling out all the stops. All the big boys are going to be out every other shift, and they're going to run at you, and they're going to do everything because that's the nature of the game. Because they're trying to get back in it. That's why it requires more effort, more intensity, and and that intensity has to be poured into the right part of the game. So I think it'll just be a matter of, is, any, is anybody getting too run down? And I think the coaching staff has done a really good job, starting with Victor Hedman and McDonough, who play the most on the team. They don't play as much as, you know, the big boys on the other team. Uh, they're, you know, two or three or four minutes a game, uh, less than the, the, high, the, the guys that are playing the most, put it that way, which means the wear and tear over 82 games 
is that much more. They're going to end up playing like two more full hockey games by themselves, some of these guys, by the end of the year, maybe more than that. That's a hell of a lot of hockey. It's a lot of wear and tear. And keeping these guys as healthy as you can with your fingers crossed is a big thing going into the playoffs because that's the X factor that I don't care if you're the best team in the league by 25 points. You get two or three guys, your top guys go down, you're in trouble and you know it. So that's why using everybody, not running people into the, into the ditch all the time and running the, you know, the power level down, uh, that's, that's uh, very important. And they've been very good about that, controlling the minutes and situations. And, and it also, it keeps everybody warm and in the game and feeling valuable. And if you're going to play as hard as you have to, everybody has to be, feel valuable to the team. What you do, do it well. If you're a hitter like Seti Paquette, hit all the time and do it well and have everybody on your team go, Seti, that is awesome, outstanding. Ryan McDonough, you're blocking shots, you know, that kind of stuff. Steven Stamkos scoring goals, yes, of course. Kucherov making plays, yes, of course. Those ones are sort of easy to appreciate, but when they block shots and when they hit and when they back check all the way to their crease to stop a goal, that's the kind of stuff where everybody buys in. And that's what makes a team that can win the cup. Brian, John Cooper's used the term burden about uh, some of the early parts of this yeah. season, trying to carry over, trying to shake off. And they're not going to get rid of it, obviously, until you get to the postseason, uh, assuming they get there. But the the streak that they went on, the 10-game winning streak, uh, coming out of this 13-game stretch with 11-2 and record, in some ways is that a good, I don't want to say reset, but move on? from the early stages of the season when maybe they were carrying some of that burden? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can pick any line in the sand of where you think the season started to turn around. I mean, the players themselves have talked about the, the, the trip to Sweden um, and the fact that guys like Maroon and Shattenkirk, who weren't on the team but are both experienced, and Maroon freshly off a of Stanley Cup basically said to him, get over it. You know, <laughs> so you yeah. lost last year. We can tell. We can tell the way you act. We can tell the way you talk. We can tell that, yeah, you carry this burden around. Enough. It's gone. Um, Barry Trotz used different language. Um, he said, I think he said he felt like his team was in mourning. The year they won the Cup in Washington, the year before, they lost in the first round. And uh, he said, I, I'm pretty sure, I read an article about it, and I think he said they were in mourning. And I could kind of tell that things were really off. So he said, I just backed off a little bit here and then just kind of encouraged and here we go. And then like, okay, then you get a sense of, all right, we're starting to, that's, that's in the rear view mirror. Then let's go and, and let's push forward. And then we're ready to step on the gas. And, and you can call, you know, you can say ready to make up for it, ready to whatever. It's different things to different people. Yeah. Some people are, are motivated by, you know, being, scared to death to make mistakes and they're really good at it other people have to be you know completely sort of full of confidence and nothing no negativity and even when there is negativity around they don't see it they don't feel it they don't hear it everybody's different so whatever it is that makes you up do it well and i think they have gotten rid of the burden i think it's closer back to when they did come back to sweden they they uh they really started to play better uh, regularly after that, the points didn't show right away, 
but the way they were playing is is what we've just been talking about over the last 10 or 15 minutes, the style of play. So I, I think that, you know, that burden was is long gone now. They know what they did. And now what they can point to is, hey, we're, we're 11 and 2. You're still talking about last year? And they can feel it and know it that that's long gone. Brian, this was outstanding stuff. We always appreciate your analysis. We'll watch you on the telecast, and we'll talk to you uh, during the next home game. Okay, guys, uh, enjoy yourselves the next uh, couple of days or so. I, I certainly am, and it's nice to have the break for us, too. Um, yeah. Just kind of sit back and watch the rest of the league a little bit, and uh, we'll be ready to go downhill right to the end here. Absolutely. Get well-rested, and uh, we'll get ready for uh, next Monday. Yep, it should be a you lot bet. of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. We appreciate it. As always, Brian Engblom there. Coming up next, Assistant General Manager, Director of Player Development, Stacy Roost, right here on Lightning Power Play. There's so much to talk about at the midway point of the season. I know. And we'll let Greg Lanelli and Eric Erlinson let out the hot air. Do not go in there. This is Power Lunch. Woo! On Lightning Power Play. Hey, welcome back to this special edition of Lightning Power Lunch. Eric Rollinson with you along with my co-host Greg Lanelli as we have all kinds of great programming this week with the Lightning off for their nine-day break. And we're pleased to bring in Stacy Roost, who's Director of Player Personnel, Assistant General Manager, also General Manager of the Syracuse Crunch. He joins me every other Monday on Lightning Lunch, but he's gracious enough to give us some of his time here. And Stacy, in, in terms of the Syracuse Crunch uh, at the, the halfway mark, I know they hit their all-star break next weekend, but a little up and down for Syracuse. Where where are you at in looking for trying to find some consistencies with what's going on in the AHL? Yeah, yeah, up and down, exactly. That's kind of been our play. The uh, yeah, I think we're, 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 like I said before, I've said previously, we're playing well. I like the way we're playing. Um, you know, obviously, we're giving up too many chances and giving up too many goals. I think uh, with Wedgwood coming back uh, today, uh, he's been out for a while with a with a knee injury. Hopefully, that'll help. And but all in all, I'm happy, really happy with uh, you know the young guys are playing a lot. They're they're looking good. They're getting experience. They're they're putting up numbers. They're playing well. You know, both ends of the rink. And so now it's just a matter of uh, of getting some results. I'm very confident that we. They, they will come and we'll start winning winning more games but uh you know it is a process and once we get healthy and also with uh, with Luke Witkowski out uh, still out he'll be should be returning next uh, next couple of weeks here so that'll that'll help us a lot but I'm, like I said I'm happy with where the the team's at we just need to start getting some results Stacy when you take a look midway through the season here you said it, it it's been up and down and you know even for the lightning at, at times it's been up and down and you see some of these guys playing for the first time professionally or maybe that's their second year do you take a look at the second half of the season and expect some bigger growth to be taken? Is that kind of what separates guys taking that next step in the organization's uh, minds? Yeah, for sure. It takes some, you know, like I said, it's, it's a hard league to, to produce. And that's what when, when first year players and second year players go and they, and they put up good numbers and they dominate, they're, it's very impressive. And then it kind of shows you they're ready for the NHL, or at least an opportunity in the NHL. And it is a hard league. It's a hard league to. To, uh, to get used to, to 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 start performing, and then obviously when you get there and you have a good good young group like we have, it, yeah, everybody has to find their their role and their ice time and, and their and their spot. And uh, so it, it is the second half's good to get some you know, the All Star break here, give them a little chance to reset, come back and uh, and finish, and and then uh, you know see how it goes. 
Stacey, we've seen Alex Volkov up here a couple of times uh, with the big club in Tampa Bay. Two stints. I thought he looked more engaged his second time around than maybe he did his first time around. Uh, I know he had a slow start to the season with the injuries and everything, and the offensive production wasn't quite there. But he just recorded a hat trick over the weekend, his first professional hat trick. How much do you think this second stint, getting some time uh, up here, really kind of helped his game a little bit? Yeah, I, I thought it helped him a lot. I thought he, he played a little bit more, played uh, he played consistently with, with with some line mates, got into a bit of a, a groove. You know, when you watch him, he had chances, made a couple of nice plays, got uh, you know offensively had chances. Uh, you know, nothing went nothing went in for him. But you know, even in Syracuse, he was getting chances. It's just he was a little bit snake bitten the whole year. Last game he goes and he and he gets a hat trick. So it's uh, you know he's playing the right way. He's playing uh, good minutes. I thought he did really well when he was was in Tampa. And uh, came came down, had a good attitude, knows what he needs to do, and uh, hopefully he can just continue it. Stacey, how has uh, Matthew Joseph looked since um, heading down to Syracuse? And, and for a player like that who had some success at the NHL last year, what are you looking for him to do uh, down at the HL level? Is it to dominate offensively, or are there other parts of his game that you think he needs to accomplish before he gets back up to Tampa Bay? Well, I, I think the biggest thing for him again is consistency. He has to has to really, uh, you know, every shift, every you know, every night have to, you know, you know, two hundred feet, good good in his own zone. Uh, he's killing some penalties, you know, uh, to to dominate offensively. He gets chances every game just with his speed, especially at this level. So that that's that's always going to be there, and he has to use that. I think, you know, when he was in Tampa, maybe he wasn't using that as much, getting on the forecheck as much as maybe he was last year. And we're happy with him in Syracuse, and hopefully he can just continue to. You know, play a good 200-foot game, and and especially at the American League, he'll always get his chances just with his with his speed. And and uh, you know, on, on a night where where it goes well, he'll bang one or two in. And and uh, but I think just the, the full 200-foot game and and consistently, you know, using his speed on the forecheck, and that's kind of what we're looking for. Lightning Assistant General Manager and Syracuse General Manager Stacy Roos joins us here on this special edition of Power Lunch. And the ultimate goal is to have the players in Syracuse make their way up and contribute to the big club. Uh, so with that in mind, are you resigned to the fact that you might not see Mitchell Stevens down there again? Yeah, yeah. if he doesn't come back, if he's playing well enough to, to, to earn a full-time job, that's why you know, that's why we're here for you know to get those guys ready. And, and uh, I think you know, Ben and the staff did a good job with with Mitch, he was more engaged. He was using his speed. He was winning more battles. And over the three years, it's been fun, fun to watch him grow. And that's what we want. We want uh, we want the players to be ready once they go up to never come back. And and uh, if that's the case with Mitchell, good for him. And, and he's helping us win games in Tampa, which is the ultimate goal. Stacey, what do you make of the play of Danik Martell this year? You mentioned the ultimate goal was to get back up to the big club and, and never come back down. And it's interesting, Martel had that opportunity last year. Circumstances obviously dictated that. And Can you make a case that while he was with the NHL club, um, it, it maybe wasn't a wasted year because obviously he was practicing with NHLers and he was getting NHL coaching, but that for a guy like that, um, it maybe is going to take him a few more months to get back on track because he didn't really play a ton of games last year. Yeah, exactly. I think he's, he's starting to, you know, he, same thing as uh, as Joseph a little bit. He, he down in the American League with his speed, he, he creates you know pretty much every shift. He's on the forecheck. When he gets the puck, he's, he's he takes it to the net. He uh, you know missing that much time is, is is always hard on a player when you don't play the games. And that's why 
you know, for, for the younger players, we have to be careful that if they're, if they're not ready to play full-time and they're up there not not playing, it's uh, it kind of, you know, maybe it might slow down their development a little bit. But he's had a great attitude. He knows exactly where he's at. And we're really happy with the way he's playing down in, in Syracuse and hopefully he'll continue it. Stacey, how's Mike Condon been in trying to get his game back to, you know, where he can be a productive, consistent player? And I, I know Scott Wedgwood just came back. Uh, from his injury, but uh, with Condon coming back from the injury that he has, where where is he in terms of getting back to being who he is? Well, he's he's uh, like last game he came in off the bench and and, uh, and and got us to win there in Binghamton. So he's he's been he's been good. He's had a great attitude. It's tough tough you know year over a year for him with you know missing you know you have to have the surgery, you miss so much time, and then he comes back and. And uh, gets in some, some game action, so he's been he's been good. It's just the same thing as, as, a, as a player, you know. It's it's when you miss that much time, it's hard to it's hard to get back into it. Now we're uh, you know he's been he's available for us. He's been playing, you know, uh, getting the odd start here and there, and, and coming off the bench when needed. Uh, done a good job of it. The effort's been there. The attitude's been good. So he's uh, you know we're still still you know believing him, and we're we're giving him the opportunity to to uh, to play. So we'll see where see how it goes the rest of the season. What about the back end for you, Stacey? They always talk about defensively it's the hardest position to learn, and you've got some young guys back there as well that are playing some pretty good minutes. What have you uh, liked about what you've seen from the back end, and what are your expectations moving forward here from uh, that group? Well, I, I love the way uh, you know, Cal, Calfoot, Ben Thomas, Dom Machine, I think they've been three of our, 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 our better defensemen uh, you know, all season. I think Calfoot's really taken a, taken a step, and and he's more consistent. He's more engaged defensively. He's he's stronger. His skating's a little quicker. So that's been that's been good. Uh, you know, obviously with Luke Luke Wikowski out, it, it just gives him and Ben Thomas on the right side a little more opportunity, which is which is good for them. And they've been able to handle it. So uh, you know, Cameron Gaunt has been been good, a good veteran leader down here. So I think uh, the young guys are are, are playing well. Uh, I'm happy with with how their game goes. And and now it's uh, you know it's getting more opportunity, more minutes, which is. Which is uh, was good for them, and they're they're doing fine with it, so it's good. Stacey, you guys just had your mid-season meetings last week, the pro and amateur side of things. I know you're kind of involved a little bit in both of those aspects, but from a Syracuse standpoint, how much uh, there's obviously talk about trades and trying to improve the club. How much time do you spend looking at Syracuse and and trying to find ways to improve them as well? Yeah, you know, you're always looking. You're always, uh, you know, it's interesting. It's my first first year doing it, but you're getting phone calls. You're you're emailing. You're you're watching. You know, don't just watch our teams. It's nice to know the other teams' prospects, the other teams' veteran players. And but you're you're constantly talking and talking to the coaching staff, and obviously with Julian and, and our pro scouts and Matthew Darsh, and and just you know seeing what's available. If we think it can can help our uh, obviously the you know you want to win, you want to develop and win, and you want to you know hopefully while you're developing, you're winning. And, and I think you know if we have a veteran guy or, or some other prospects, we can upgrade our prospects for prospect for prospect. We're always looking at that, so it's uh, it's an interesting process. But you know, you're uh, if our young guys are playing and you're, they're playing well, and uh, you know, and then we're winning is the ultimate uh, ultimate goal. But you know, to to improve our team or to prove our our, our our prospect or maybe one day you can help our you know Tampa win or get a, get a few games up in you know in Tampa is if if there's a deal to be made there, we'll we'll, we'll definitely look at it. And how's it been for you? You did pull off a couple of deals this year uh, involving Syracuse, most recently uh, acquiring Patrick Seeloff uh, in a trade with Anaheim. Well, from your first year as a GM of Syracuse, how has that process been in, in kind of putting some of those together? 
Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Like you know, for the for the Mueller for for the defenseman when Luke goes down and then our younger younger centers are playing so well and they're, and they're, but yet they're having a hard time getting into the lineup. That's kind of that's a good thing to have. So we just felt moving Chris uh, for a defenseman made made more sense to give uh, the Sompy, all the Sompy, Jimmy Huntington, you know, more of a look and more ice time, and they've they've handled it well. So it's been it's been good. You know, dealing with the staff and 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 working with them, you know, on a daily basis is something kind of new to me and kind of been used to. Working on my own for for a couple of years, but it's been it's been good. I, I really enjoy it. Julian's been a, obviously a huge huge help, and, and he's been been awesome to work with. So it's uh, so far so good. I've I really enjoyed it. Uh, and and I have to ask I asked you about Otto Sampi at the beginning of the year because uh, I thought he looked uh, much better in training camp this year. Where is he in terms of getting his game more consistent? And the numbers don't jump out at you right now. Yeah, his numbers don't jump out, but he he he's. So the ice time he gets, and 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 and, and he's, he, I think he's having a really good offensive season, and uh, you know he's he's stronger. He's his big thing for for us is all we've been telling him. You know, we always say getting get in battles and win battles, and I think he's starting to do that more consistently. He's he's definitely more engaged. He's more confident. He's uh, he's getting more ice time, but he's earned that. So I think that's uh, that's a big thing for him. And 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 I see you know you, you love his skill, you love his skating and his hockey sense, and I think it's all kind of coming together for him. And, and he's uh, he's definitely on the way up. All right, Stacey, as always, we appreciate you uh, spending some time here with us, uh, even during the bye week. I know it's not a bye week for you guys. You've got a lot uh, a lot of stuff uh, going on as well, but uh, we appreciate you uh, catching up with us, and we'll do this again in a couple of weeks on Lighting Lunch. Okay, thanks for having me. Have a good week, guys. All right, thanks, Stacey. Thanks, Stacey. All right, Stacey Roost has been our guest here on Power Lunch, and that's going to wrap up episode one for us, Greg, and I hope everybody gets a kick out of some of this programming this week. This is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, a lot of information we're throwing out there, lightning, crunch, and uh, we're going to do it again for the next couple of days. Yeah, we're going to get some insight in the entire organizational structure in terms of the scouting. We yeah. mentioned to Stacy there about the, the midseason scouting meetings that they've had over the past couple of weeks. So uh, some really good stuff we got coming up from Jamie Pusher, who's the – basically the director of pro scouting and assistant general manager and the amateur side as well with Al Murray. So, yes. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun and uh, we'll get uh, we'll get things rolling the rest of the week. It's a beautiful thing. Tyler Matarats too. We're going to check in, get a national perspective and um, Matthew Darch. So a lot of stuff covered here on Lightning Power Play. Where else would you rather be? I know where you'd rather be. <laughs> I'm not going to say it out loud though. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Have you have you seen some of the pictures of the players already enjoying themselves? Quite you blame? A bit? Them? I do not. You in blame? Any way? Go shape, out, or have form. fun, be safe. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. You Why know, wouldn't you? You know, you're a young young man, lots of money, decompress a bit. Well, that's the key point for me right there. Decompress. You know, there's a, there's a lot of stress on these players, and yeah, yeah, I know they make a lot of money, but there's a lot of stress on them, especially with this team and this organization and the expectations that are on them. So yeah. to be able to go out and kind of just get away from the game for a couple of days, I, I think is never a, never a bad thing. And uh, the nine days off, it's a lot of time off. But, uh, again, I've mentioned this before, they're going to face a Dallas Stars team also coming out of their bye week, and I think that's an area where the league has gotten things right. Yes, and um, keep it as even as possible when it comes to things like that. And um, good for the league and um, a good test coming out of the gate, I think, for the Lightning. That road trip. Yeah, tough road trip. Dallas, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. Yeah, and then before, right back on the road. Before they're back home against uh, February 4th is going to be their first yeah. home game back. So it's amazing. Long time away. 
All right, well, that's going to wrap up day one of our special power lunch. I'd like to thank Connors and Linsky for putting everything together and making it sound good. Brian Engblom, who joined us yes. a little bit earlier, and Stacy Roost, uh, Lightning Assistant General Manager, and Syracuse General Manager. I, look, look, I get mentioned. Stacy is with me every other Monday, and we get to ask him some of these questions about some of the prospects yeah. and some of the younger players. So uh, make sure you catch that uh, every other Monday. Stacy joins me on Lightning Lunch, which you can hear noon until 1. Of course, Greg is lighting power play live. 6 o'clock on non-game days and 90 minutes before game time on game days. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening as always. Thank we'll you. We'll be back with you on tomorrow with some more compelling and great hockey talk and great lightning talk. Uh, so stick around. We'll catch up with everybody tomorrow.